0: Is the best material for faith. Even after he was married, seems that he was not a strong leader with his wife. Uh, His wife was very willing, as we'll see in a moment, to deceive him to gain the blessing for her favorite son. We don't see the giant that Abraham was, and yet here he is, Hebrews chapter eleven, verse number twenty. Right in line, the Bible calls him a great man of faith. Isaac did something in our text, that every Christian father should endeavor to do. He passed on to his offspring his own faith. He passed on the blessing of his belief in the Almighty God. He left the legacy of serving God uh, to his sons and his daughters. Years ago, I I read a story recently of a man years ago who stood before a judge who was about to sentence him to prison. The judge had known him since he was a child because he was friends with this boy's father. And so uh, the father, this boy's father had written a book, and he was famous for it, The Law of Trusts. And so the judge asks him, do you remember your father? He says, yes, I do remember my father. And the judge, trying to prick the boy's conscience, says, as I sentence you today, remember and think about your wonderful father. The boy said, I do remember my father. I remember I went to him for advice. He looked up from the book that he was writing and says, run along, boy, I have to continue my work. He said, I remember him when I went to him for companionship. He again said, run along, boy, I, this book must be finished. Your honor, you remember him as a great lawyer. I remember him as a lost friend. And the judge thought to himself, what a shame. He finished the book and he lost the boy. I wonder how many times today that we as parents, we as fathers, we finish the work and we finish the book and we lose the boy. He blessed his sons, Isaac did. I want to look at these two sons. If you're in Genesis chapter 25, we're going to look at a few verses here. In fact, we're going to read quite a bit of scripture as we go through to try to unfold this story. The Bible says, and after that came his brother out and his hand took hold on Esau's heel and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. Uh, Let's go to, actually, we're going to look at that in a minute. Look at verse 29. This is after they grew up, and Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, "'Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint.' Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, "'Sell me this day thy birthright.' And Esau said, "'Behold, I am at the point to die.' and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now that last line is a commentary. It's 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 basically an addition. And so because of what you see Esau despised his birthright. Esau probably did not know the extent of what he was doing at this point. The word despised is the same original word that you see in 1 Samuel chapter 17 when Goliath looks at David and the Bible says he disdained him. It, is, it means to look on with contempt. Esau despised his birthright. Esau sold something that was of eternal value, and he did so for a simple bowl of soup. That's all it was, a bowl of lentils. He gave up something that affected his life for the rest of eternity, and he gave it up for something that his stomach wanted right now. I want to ask a question this morning that is the title of my message. What's in your bowl? What's in your bowl? What do you uh, have in your life that is so important that keeps you from church, that keeps you out of your Bible? What has you so captivated that you do not tell your loved ones and friends about the wonderful truth of the gospel? What What heart's desire are you fulfilling that puts God's desire for you on the back burner? What's in your bowl today? Esau looked at a bowl of soup and he said, I've got to have that. I'll give everything that's important in my life uh, for my future, for something that will satisfy me right now. What's in your bowl today? This is an absolutely epidemic thinking that we have in our nation and even in many of our churches and our families today. We have the the thought that I want to have what I want right now. I'll take what I want now and I don't care what it'll cost me in the future. That's the type of thinking that we have today. Uh, it's, it's personified in a credit card. You know that we spend a lot more. It's, a, it's actually the, the number is, uh, is somewhere 22, 23% more you'll spend if you're carrying plastic than if you're carrying cash. It's a lot harder to spend paper than it is to spend plastic. Why? Because the plastic has attached to it a wonderful promise. Pay me later. You don't have to pay today. You can play today and pay later. We like that. We like what we want right now, and we don't want to worry about paying uh, in the future. Now, if you look at the background in their life here in verse nineteen through twenty-seven, uh, you'll see that Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah to wife, and. Uh, His wife was barren. She could not have children. And so Isaac started praying for children when he was 59 years old. The Bible talks about that in later verses. It took him 19 years to say, hey, maybe I ought to talk to God about the fact that we can't have children. And so he goes to the Lord. And uh, I I, I just, again, don't see a mover and a shaker in, in Isaac the way that his personality was. Now in verse 22, The Bible says, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. So the Lord did allow her to get pregnant. Uh, Here we see pre-birth sibling rivalry. Isn't that something? Now, you know why they were struggling together? The same reason your kids fight. Close proximity. They're close together. I remember when I was growing up and uh, I had four younger brothers and sisters and I remember when I was trying to teach them character and uh, that was one of my jobs as an older brother was to teach them character and I wasn't allowed to touch them so sometimes you just hover your finger very close to them. You know what I'm saying? Remember that when you're a child? You don't touch them. I didn't, wasn't doing anything wrong. Somebody's got to try to teach them patience, uh, Right? And so you have that with sibling rivalry. You have children. He's touching me. He's looking at me. He's breathing on me. All these different things. And so even in the womb, here they were struggling, fighting together. Uh, She goes to the Lord. Now, without sonograms, it's very possible she didn't even know she had twins inside of her. All she knows that something's not right. And so she goes to the Lord. If it be so, why am I thus? Basically, God, what's going on here? Verse twenty-three. God answers. The Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. This woman must have been huge. I actually didn't mean two nations. It meant two, uh, sign, uh, basically signifying the heads of two nations. So there's two. There's something very wonderful going on in your womb here. She, he's telling Rebecca. Uh, he's saying that there's a, there's two nations here. Uh, there's two leaders of nations." What you have in your womb is very special. I have big plans for you. Well, here they come. They're born a few verses later. The Bible says in verse 25, and the first came out red all over like in hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. They're they're born. One of them looks like a little red furball. The second one is holding on to his heel as he is born. They're, they're, these are dysfunctional kids right off the get-go. Get they're already fighting. They're not even con, uh, ceasing their fighting as they come out of the womb and they're born. Uh, they're, one is called Esau, which means Harry. One is called heel holder, Jacob. These are our two children, Harry and heel holder. That's what they basically meant. Now, we fast forward about 20 years. We find that uh, Isaac is about 80 years old. Esau's made something of himself. He's a cunning hunter, the Bible says. He was Mr. Manly Man. He could hunt. Uh, He had hair on his chest. He had a big beard. He would have been the winner on Survivor if he'd have been able to go on that show. He was the original man versus wild, and the man won every time. Esau was that kind of guy. Every dad would love to have a son like Esau. Surely by night they would sit at the fire and talk of his exploits on the field. Jacob grew up differently. Jacob was a quiet man. Uh, He was a mama's boy, if you will. He hung around the house. He helped her cook. Rachel loved Jacob. He was her special boy, always there for her, always around to help her. Isaac loved Esau. He was a manly man. He was out in the field. He was a boy that appealed to fathers. Jacob was a boy that appealed to mothers. And so they each had their favorites. Brings us to verse 29. Jacob was doing what he was good at doing, cooking. Esau comes in from a long hunt. He had not eaten in days. The Bible says he was faint. And then he smells what Jacob is cooking. The, the bean soup, essentially, from Jacob's crock pot that he's got going there over the fire. Have you ever put on a pot of beans at your house, then walked in later, and that smell? Man, even if you don't like beans, you got to love that smell. Uh, lo- Rich, warm smell of that food cooking, and Esau is hungry. He hasn't eaten. Uh, all of a sudden, when when you do that, when you smell smells like that, Uh, or you come into the house and somebody's cooking, your your hunger all of a sudden goes in turbo drive, doesn't it? You thought you were hungry, now you're starving, and so Esau's in this condition. He says, hey, Jacob, he asks him for something to eat, and Jacob, remember, is a schemer. He's a heel holder. He's He's a deceiver. And so he tells Esau, I'll give you a bowl of this. You give me your birthright. Now, Yes, he's a schemer, and it was a dirty trick. But one thing we can say about Jacob is he recognizes the value of the birthright. Esau, basically, who cares about a birthright? I'm about to die. By the way, he wasn't about to die. He just felt like it. That's what young men feel like when they're really hungry. They feel like they're about to die. And so he uh, he wasn't about to die, but he said, I'm about to die. Who cares about a birthright? <clears throat> and so Jacob successfully brokers a deal for the birthright for a bowl of soup. Now you say, preacher, that's a great story, but what in the world does that have to do with us? Well, let me tell you a little bit more about the birthright, and then we'll draw a personal application from it. The birthright privilege. There were several things that it brought. The birthright brought meant, meant basically that you were the priest of the family. Remember, in that time, there was no Bible. In the New Testament, uh, the Bible teaches that that since Jesus died on the cross, there's what we call the priesthood of the believer. That means every one of us can approach the throne of grace. Every one of us can pray wherever we're at. We can uh, go to the Lord directly. Uh, that was shown very clearly when Jesus died. He said it is finished, and when he gave up the ghost, the Bible says that the temple rail was vent, rent from Top to bottom, not bottom to top by man, but top to bottom by God, signifying that every one of us can now come into the presence of the Lord Jesus of, of the Lord Himself because of what Jesus did. But not so at this time. The way that they had communication with God was with, through the patriarch of the family. Uh, this was the privilege of the firstborn. This was the first bowl. This was a part of the birthright. So what Esau is essentially saying here, don't miss this now, is that this bowl of soup is more important to me right now than communicating with Almighty God. This bowl of soup is more important to me than that relationship. I'd rather fill my stomach than enjoy the benefits of the priesthood. Secondly, the birthright privilege brought a double portion. The older son would get double of what all the other children would get. And so if there's two of them, he'd get uh, two-thirds, and the younger would get one-third, and so on and so forth. Uh, Esau was basically saying here, I don't care about what I'm going to get in the future. I don't care about my inheritance. What I do care about is a bowl of soup, and I want it right now. Uh, What good are all of those things to me right now? See that type of thinking? We still think that way today. I want what I want right now. I don't care what it costs me in the future. I don't care what is gone in the future. I just want to satisfy myself right now. How many times have you spent years paying for something that you did to satisfy something you wanted right now? Then there is authority. The birthright privilege brought authority. The authority of the family passed through the birthright. Esau said, this bowl of soup is more important to me than my family. It's more important to me than my children. I will sell out all of God's promises to me and all the privileges of my future for what I can have right now. Understand that Esau, he knew what he was dealing with here. It is not that he didn't know that it was important. We see that later but he just wanted what he wanted now. You can have 20 years down the road, I want right now. Oh, dear friend, let me tell you, don't despise your birthright. Uh, He despised his birthright because like Esau, we all have a birthright. In the New Testament, Jesus is called the firstborn of God. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, uh, that we he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, Jesus Christ is the firstborn of God, but if you've accepted him as your savior, that makes you, the Bible says, in Christ. Basically, all the benefits that God has for Christ, he now has for you. Isn't that a blessing? The Bible tells us in Romans 8.32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, uh, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God's purpose for you is that you become or conform to the image of his son. What Esau is saying here is that a life of purpose, a life of closeness, a life of relationship to God, that's not important to me. At least it's not as important as what I want right now, which is simply a bowl of soup. What's in your bowl today? Like Esau, we all struggle to see the value of our birthright. You know you have a birthright, you have a purpose. God has a plan for you. Who, say, who, me? Yes, you. God has a plan for each and every one of us in here. Do you value that plan? Do you value that purpose? Or have you traded it in for a bowl of soup? What's in your bowl? What is it every day that you scoop out of your bowl that destroys your purpose? Is it anger? Alcohol? Depression? Pornography? Uh, bitterness, what is it? What is it in your bowl? It would help us if we understood the value of our birthright, the value of our purpose. Oh, the futility of wasting our life for a bowl of soup, for what, uh, as we chase what feels good, what hits our fancy. It's just soup. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Uh, Our life uh, is, is really like uh, if you've ever seen kids blowing those those uh, soap bubbles, blow a bubble and they, especially if it's sunny, they're all colorful and they all uh, look like rainbows swirling around them, and, and they look really pretty and they look really nice. And I love watching my uh, little grandboys They'll go out trying to catch them, and they finally catch one, and poof, it's gone. That's like uh, the things of the world. They look great. They look shiny. They look nice. But when you grab it, you find there's nothing of substance to it. Bowls of soup don't last. Birthrights do. And so don't despise your birthright. Only one life too soon is past. Only what's done for Christ will last. We need some folks today that'll say, I don't care what's in the bowl. I want what Christ has for me. I am interested in my birthright. But if we get back to our text a couple of points I want to make about faith. Isaac, uh, the, in, in Hebrews, the Bible says by faith, Isaac blessed. The proclaiming of faith. Isaac's faith was manifested in the first actual words of the blessing. These blessings are those that are passed on to him from Abraham. Uh, and then Isaac passed them on to his son. Uh, it means that he had belief. Remember what faith is. It is Belief-inspired obedience. And so Isaac believed and so he obeyed. He had faith. We see the power of faith. By faith, Isaac blessed. Faith gives you power to bless others. There was one uh, reason that Isaac could bless Jacob and Esau. Isaac could bless them because Isaac believed in what God had said and God's word. Faith, by the way, will bless much better than money. Faith is the best blessing that you can pass on to your children. Listen, friend, if all you can give is money, that may be a curse rather than a blessing. In fact, how many heartaches have been caused over an inheritance? A man named Clyde was due to inherit a fortune when his sick father died, and he was going to die any day now. He decided that it's about time that he found someone to share his life with. In fact, he realized he's going to be recipient of a huge fortune in a few days. So he went to a cafe, and there he met a very beautiful woman who took his breath away. He said to her, I know that I look like only an ordinary man, but in just a week or two, my father is going to die, and then I'm going to inherit $20 million. Well, the woman went home with Clyde. The next day she married his father and became his stepmother. (laughs) Look, money can cause a lot of trouble. You may think you can't leave much to your children, much of a blessing because you don't have much, but if you have faith, you can leave the best thing that ever existed. You can bless your home greatly. In fact, the person with faith can bless uh, far greater than the one who only has fame or fortune. Faith. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Part of the blessing by Isaac was the promise of a Savior to come. While uh, that is not all that's referred in the the blessing there, uh, it certainly is the most important part, the fact that there was a coming Savior. God gave Abraham this blessing which involved the gospel, and that's what was being passed on. Listen, there's no greater blessing than Jesus Christ. You teach your children about Jesus Christ, you can do no better. You can give no greater gift to them. That's why we uh, put such a high value on teaching children from the Word of God around here. Uh, the Bible says in Galatians 3.8 in the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, Preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee all nations shall be blessed. And so Abraham passed it on to Isaac. Now Isaac is passing on uh, this to uh, his sons. Listen, friend, do not put the temporary above the eternal concerning your family. Put the birthright over the bull. Amen. Don't allow the temporary to steal uh, everything from you. Today we invest much more in our children's lives in areas that don't really matter for eternity. We're raising our children with straight teeth and crooked lives. We uh, protect their heads with helmets, but their minds are polluted by the world. We limit their junk food and allow their junk music and all kinds of other things too. Oh, friend, let's not uh, get ourselves... Uh, Our priorities out of whack here. Let's put the focus on the right thing. Even churches today seem more interested in helping on the social level. Housing, food, clothing, nothing wrong with that at all uh, unless you put a higher priority than giving out the gospel. Listen, if the church heals all those that are physically sick, gives every poor person a mansion to live, if the church provides uh, the finest in food and clothes for the needy, yet they do not give them the gospel, what good have they really done? Well, eternally speaking, going to hell as a rich man is no better than going to hell as a poor man. Luke chapter 16. Let's remember that the best blessing is spiritual, and faith will recognize that. By faith, Isaac blessed. Let me ask you today, what are you doing for your family? What are you doing for your children? Are you passing on the blessing of faith? Are you showing your family your children, your grandchildren, that you're number one. I mean, your first priority in life is the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're serving Him in every facet of your life. Pass that on. That's going to be a help to them. Now, we're going to move forward to Genesis chapter 27. And we see the problem for faith. In Genesis chapter 27 verse 1, (coughs) it came to pass, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his oldest son, and said unto him, My son, he said unto him, Behold, here I am, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore I take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out into the field and take me some venison. And make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, and my soul may bless thee before I die. Wait a second, there's a problem here. There's a problem there because... Esau had sold his birthright. Not only that, uh, way back before they were born, God had said that the younger is going to or the older is going to serve the younger. And so Isaac knew that God's will was for Jacob to get the blessing and Esau had already forfeited it. But Isaac loved Esau, remember? Isaac liked Esau better than he liked Jacob. Jacob was a wimp. Uh, he was a mama's boy. Esau's the one I want to bless. I mean, just look at the two of them. Uh, one of them is big, strong, and manly, and the other one is kind of a sissy. And so I want to bless the one that I favor. And so he's going to bless Esau. Now, Rebecca heard this, as it says here in the next verse. Rebecca heard when Isaac spake unto Esau his son, and Esau went in the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. Now, Rebecca's got a problem because her favorite son is Jacob. This had to be just a really happy home, didn't it? So here's Jacob. He's her favorite. She wants him to get the blessing. And Isaac wants Esau to get the blessing. God had said that Jacob's going to get it, and Isaac's trying to circumvent this. (coughs) So there's a bit of a problem going on here. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you know the story. Uh, Rebecca goes and she prepares meat, and uh, Jacob practices his Esau voice, and uh, he's going to try to sound like Esau when he goes goes into Isaac. Uh, he puts on the skins of... Man, Esau must have been hairy. If you put on the skin of an animal and it feels like your arm. So he puts on the skin of animals on his arms and and uh, then goes into Isaac and pretends to be Esau. Three times the old man voiced his suspicion. But he was deceived by smell and by touch when he felt the uh, felt his arms. And he blessed Jacob thinking that he was Esau. Look at verse number 34 of chapter 27. The Bible says, And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me even also, O my father. Esau comes home. He finds that he had been tricked while he was out in the field. His brother had stolen his blessing. When he brought in his food, emotions ran very high. The Bible says that Isaac trembled violently over what had happened. Esau was very bitter, and he was very angry. Now, Isaac, I believe, immediately knew he had tampered with God's plan and had, that God had overruled him, and there was no going back now. That's, I believe, what the faith is in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, what was Esau's problem? He chose a bull over his birthright. What was Isaac's problem? He chose his fleshly appetites over what God had said too. In other words, he chose the son he loved the best. We see in Genesis 25, 28 that his love for Esau is based on the fact of what Esau was doing for him. The fleshly appetite of man, something we all battle, isn't it? Our fleshly appetites. They do not, uh, in fact, they're a great problem for us, for our faith fleshly appetites always pervert faith they do not promote it the flesh does not promote spiritual growth it does not promote integrity it does not uh, promote obedience our flesh uh, our, our our fleshly appetites promotes rebellion against god and if we do not mortify our earthly members the fine edge of our spiritual life will be blunted we must mortify Our flesh. Isaac's flesh led him to spiritual rebellion against God. He tried to give Esau something that belonged to Jacob. Fleshly appetites always oppose faith. Again, I ask you, what about you? Who's in charge of your life? What runs your decisions? Is it faith? Is it God? Is it the Bible? Or is it what's in a bowl? Something that's temporary. Something that's fleeting. It won't last, and you know it won't last. And yet we allow it to make our daily decisions. We see then the penitence of faith. Verse number 33. Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, "Who? Where is he that had taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou comest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. Uh, Isaac realized he had given the wrong person the blessing. But when he discovered it, Uh, He trembled, I believe, not out of anger, but out of realizing that God still got his way. God always, by the way, gets his way. Amen? We can try to thwart his plan, and we're going to fail. God gets his way. He knew his plans to bless Esau had been thwarted by God. But I believe that Isaac (coughs) realized his error. And so he let the blessing stand as it was given. Verse 33, I've blessed him, and he shall be blessed. And so he let it stand. (coughs) We see him accepting the interference of God after his plan failed. He wouldn't withdraw the blessing. I think it's interesting that as soon as we see a conflict between his own desires and God's intervention, immediately Isaac gives up. Instead of murmuring and rebelling, he yielded and submitted to the Lord. That is always the work of true faith. Obedience. Obedience. Sometimes God has to do that to us, doesn't he? A little bit of slapping us around a little bit. Showing us our own folly. And so as soon as Isaac recognized it, he immediately yielded. And that is the work of faith. Now, verse 34 Read again, and when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. He said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. No one can read that verse, I don't believe, and not feel a little pity for Esau. Esau was the oldest. He had expected a blessing. Uh, All Esau's hopes were dashed in a moment. This right here is what you call payday. See, Esau had made some choices way back. Now he's paying for them. But he had sold his birthright. Evidently, somehow Esau thought that it wouldn't really matter if all the way back here he despised his birthright for a bowl of soup. Nobody was around but Jacob. Dad would bless me anyway. What I'm doing right now I don't really have to pay for in the future. I'm just getting what I want right now and it'll all work out. Somehow, Esau must have thought that he wouldn't really lose his blessing. He had parted with it very easily. He expected to regain it very easily. But here's the problem, friend. If you choose the bowl and you reject God's plan and His best, you find that when it is, that it is gone when you actually want it. Oh, what a terrible thought. Esau, he despised his birthright, but here he is years later. Now he's not despising it. Now he's begging, oh, Father, please bless me too. I want it back, but he couldn't get it back because in his youth, he had given it away for a bowl of soup. What's in your bowl today, friend? What do you have in your life that stands in the way of your serving God. What stands in the way of God's best for you? (coughs) Esau's cry is the cry of one who rejected God and is now being rejected by him. He was both profane and he was presumptuous. He was profane in that he was willing to sell his birthright. He was presumptuous in thinking he'd get it back. Esau was like many Christians today, neglecting God in the best years. They give up their birthright in exchange for the temporary, only to find out that much too late, their horrible mistake. The prodigal son is an example of this, and he's an example of true repentance. You see, I don't believe Esau really repented. Esau wanted the the blessing, but he didn't really repent. Uh, The prodigal came to God with deep confession, recognizing his own sin. Esau came... For a son's privileges, the prodigal came for a sinner's punishment. See the difference? That's the difference in real repentance. One killed and dressed his venison and did it with his own hand. He did not even get to enjoy it. One had the fatted calf prepared for him, and he was forgiven. Esau had despised his birthright earlier. Now he sees what a great mistake he made. You see, Esau wanted the physical benefits, but he never cried out for forgiveness. It's an entitlement mentality. And we say we hate the entitlement mentality. And yet spiritually, we all, or many of us, have the entitlement mentality. And this is the cry of Christians today. We live in a day where people want the crown, but they want no cross. They want position, but not passion. They want opportunity, but not obstacle. We live in a day where men and women want the privilege of Christianity, but nothing to do with the reality of it. We give up what's eternal for what's temporary. These tears that Esau cried would appeal to Isaac, but faith kept Isaac from reacting and recanting. Faith helps us to overcome the appeals of the flesh, like fleshly sentiments. Esau experienced what so many of us will are ex- or not us, but, uh, so many will experience when life is over. They have high expectations. But though who, re- they who reject God in this life will come to their senses in the next. They'll realize that the most important thing in this life was the gospel. Friend, let me tell you, if you're giving up the gospel for a bowl of soup, one day you will gravely regret it. And dear Christian, even if you're saved and you're giving up God's best today uh, for for whatever's in your bowl, you'll one day gravely regret it. Then it'll be too late, like it was for Esau. Simple question today, what's in your bowl? Another way we could ask the question, what will be the end result of your current choices? The choices that you make right now what you do daily, what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today, friend, and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, do so today. The Bible says that we can be assured, we can be certain of our eternal destination. These things, 1 John five thirteen. These things have I written unto you. I believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life all that believe on the Son of God. You can know where you're going. God did not, or Jesus did not die on the cross to leave us in confusion. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. I find that interesting because as a pastor, I get the question once in a while, if there is a God and if God is love, why does He allow such horrible things to happen then? For the wages of sin is death, and all that comes with it. God did not intend kidnappers and murderers to live on this earth. He intended for sinless man to live here, but we chose to sin. Because of sin, along with it comes death, and suffering, and sickness. Not God's design. It's, it's our uh, choice that we made. For the wages of sin is death. That means one day you're going to die, and you're going to die because you earned it. (laughs) The wage of sin, that's a paycheck. Because of our sin, one day we're going to die. If we have enough birthdays, one day it's going to stop counting, and we're going to pass away because of our sin. That's why we have to die. But the verse goes on. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You earn your death, but friend, you do not earn heaven because you can't earn heaven, not by works of righteousness which we have done because there aren't enough works that can offset our sin. And so what did the Lord Jesus Christ do? He said, I'll take the price. I'll pay the price of sin. And he is our perfect spotless lamb, spread out his hands on the cross and died for your sins and mine. Now, and only because of that, can he make that a gift let me ask you friend have you accepted that gift of salvation do you know that you know that you know that if you closed your eyes in death today they'd be open in glory it's a wonderful thing and how many people they don't make that decision and i've talked to many of them maybe you have too because they're currently living out of a bowl it may be a career it may be family Oh, preacher, I know I need to get saved. I know that I've got to make that decision in my life. I'll do it later, right now. And they won't say it in these words, but essentially they're saying right now, living out of a bowl. What's in your bowl, friend? What keeps you from doing what you need to do and being what you need to be for the Lord today? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.